0: You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, Just some unbelievable developments, uh, detailing, uh, new details about the deep state coup against President Trump coming out thanks to Judicial Watch. We have the extraordinary news of the death of Jeffrey Epstein. may not be extraordinary given... Uh, the crimes he was involved in and the connections he had. We'll talk about that. Uh, Plus some big news out of Maryland. We had a nice federal court victory uh, that I hope in the end will make elections cleaner in Maryland, and I'll talk about that. Uh, Just uh, You wouldn't believe the battles we had to go through uh, in that court case, just trying to get basic information. Uh, But I think first up we'll talk about uh, the death of Jeffrey Epstein. I think it's one of these scandals that highlights the concerns Americans have about the rule of law here in the United States, about the Justice Department, about equal treatment under the law, about the idea of a two-tier justice system, and uh, whether or not the government can be trusted to investigate itself. Now, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, several years ago, was convicted in, I think, state court in Florida of uh, sex crimes. Uh, as part of that uh, uh, plea deal he uh, agreed to, uh, Florida, at least the U.S. The US uh, attorney in Florida, Mr. Acosta, who used to be Labor Secretary under President Trump, uh, agreed he wouldn't be subject to any federal crimes uh, stemming from those crimes. So basically everything was supposed to be clear. Now, a lot of people have looked at that plea deal and thought it was too light and then it was a slap on the wrist. And I'm not in a position to argue that, but it was a plea deal. And he spent time in jail under very lax conditions. Uh, but uh, he was convicted. He had an agreement. The feds blessed it. And then more information about his victims has come out because they've gotten older and braver because they are older and have discussed... Uh, the allegations in more detail. Uh, The Justice Department's been embarrassed by the way it handled it. And and now Jeffrey Epstein, of course, has been tied to a whole host of political figures, tangentially tangentially to President Trump, really nothing there, Uh, but more closely to Bill Clinton. He is a funder and founder, according to uh, Epstein's own people, of the Clinton Global Initiative, which is the Clinton Foundation. Uh, Clinton's been on his planes uh, two dozen times. And, of course, given Bill Clinton's proclivities, there's a a sense that he may have been up to no good with him, uh, given Epstein's proclivities. Long story short, the Southern District of New York indicted him on crimes from the same time period that the Florida uh, representatives of the Justice Department had essentially given him a pass on. So the question is whether the indictment was political or proper. Now the Justice Department says just because one district in Florida agreed to it it didn't mean that the Southern District of New York was bound by it. I think that's a debatable point. I think in the end though that the decision to prosecute him was because of the, however tangential relationship to Trump, a desire to embarrass Trump. Remember, this is the same district that raided Trump's lawyer's offices And I just don't buy that after years and years and years, the Justice Department would all of a sudden find God and decide to rectify the wrong uh, against uh, his victims by re-prosecuting Mr. Epstein. I just don't believe that was done out of the goodness of their hearts. I think it was an institutional decision designed to protect the institution, hopefully smear Trump in the process. And uh, so... That being said, let's say that it was a proper uh, indictment. This doesn't mean I, I think Epstein's a great guy, but I'm suspicious when the Justice Department moves in these areas because of the political nature of the Justice Department decision-making and prosecutions. Now, if it were up to me, I would have prosecuted him uh, in, in a severe way uh, back when these crimes were first highlighted, uh, but they didn't do that. Uh, but they signed onto an agreement that probably is still enforceable, so that's my concern from a rule of law perspective. That all being said, let's give the government the benefit of the doubt. They were aware of crimes. There were new crimes, and they prosecuted him. Their job, given his connections, Epstein, a you know supposed wealthy guy, connected to all sorts of political people, mostly Democrats. Who may or may not have been involved in, in um, his uh, sex trafficking operations or participated in him and Participated in them. He asked for bail. He was denied bail over the uh, thanks. In part, obviously, the Justice Department objected to giving him bail. The Southern District of New York objected to giving him bail, and now he's dead under mysterious circumstances. A few weeks ago, he's found. Um, in his cell or outside his cell on the ground and it's still not clear what happened to him. It's suggested he tried to commit suicide or he was otherwise injured or assaulted. We still don't know. Nevertheless, he was put on suicide watch only for a few days and then he was taken off suicide watch at the request of his lawyers, which doesn't mean it should have been done or that it was well-founded. He had 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 another inmate in the jail with him in the federal facility in Manhattan. But then that person was removed, and he's in the cell alone. And he's supposed to be watched, or at least looked into, looked after every 30 minutes or so. And based on the reports, that was not done. For several hours, he was not uh, monitored. As others have said, given his, his, the fact that he was one of the most notorious prisoners in the United States prison system, probably the most famous person they had, he should have been watched 24/7. So you've got all of these. Fail, now, now we, whether he committed suicide or not is an open. Now he's de- he's dead. Now I don't know how he died. We don't know how he died. It's been a week almost. We still don't know how he died. The New York Post reported he was found in a way that suggested he had hung himself on his bunk. Some people have said that is bunk. They've been able to do, who have done that. The Washington Post reports that the autopsy initially has found that certain bones were broken in his neck. Which not, though not all the time an indicia of homicide, are often an indicia of homicide meaning someone has strangled you and broken the bones in your neck. Now, that can also happen in 16% of the cases if you somehow hang yourself. But certainly it raises additional questions about the nature of Epstein's death. And I don't care if it was suicide or homicide. Something happened, in my view, in a corrupt way, that resulted in his death. And the Justice Department is responsible. He was in their custody. Bureau of Prisons is run by the Justice Department. So the Southern District of New York engages in this controversial prosecution that may be a second bite of the apple, deny this guy bail, and maybe rightly so, and he ends up dead. Inexcusable. And we're now expo- expected to take at face value the investigations that the Justice Department is gonna conduct here. Attorney General Barr, by all accounts, is upset. He should be upset. He should be asked tough questions about this too. Anyone who knows anything about the Bureau of Prisons knows it is poorly run. Whitey Bulger, the uh, famous FBI corrupt, uh, the, the, the mafia guy tied to FBI corruption up in Massachusetts, he was murdered in a, in a federal facility not too long ago. Jeffrey Epstein, who knows if he was murdered or not? People's immediate assumption is that it's part of the Clinton body count The crazy leftists are saying that Trump had Russia do it, which is absurd. Given Epstein's criminal activities, who knows who who would want to see him dead? It could be, you know, Prince Andrew's been implicated in his um, uh, sexual activities with young women. Now, I don't say I'm not saying Prince Andrew is implicated in this. I'm just saying there's all sorts of people given the nature of Epstein's activities that people start throwing questions out about because the justice department can't be trusted to tie its own shoes. And one of the reasons it's not trusted is because of its record of corruption, its record of looking out the other way, when there is a political figure that is favored or disfavored, political decision-making in terms of prosecutions improperly made. So the Justice Department protects Hillary Clinton, targets President Trump, and then a controversial prosecution, the subject of which has been tied to the Clintons, ends up dead. And we're all supposed to be surprised when Americans say, what's up with that? So, we don't trust the Justice Department to investigate itself. It doesn't mean we won't take into account the facts that it lays out. The IG supposedly is investigating it. But I can tell you this the fact we still don't know suggests that misconduct is still continuing at the Justice Department and the FBI and the Southern District of New York and the Bureau of Prisons. That's why, as soon as we could, on Monday, we began a Freedom of Information Act investigation. of the Epstein death. Who can you trust? You can trust Judicial Watch. You may not trust the Justice Department, you may not trust the FBI, but you can trust Judicial Watch to ask these questions. Because the court process that we operate under, assuming they don't give us the documents, is, a, is, a, is the best way currently available under law to get the truth out about what the government's up to. Better than an IG investigation, Better than Congress, better than anything out there. I don't know if Epstein died or not, or was murdered or not. There are questions about the circumstances of his death that we deserve the answers to. And frankly, the whole handling of the Epstein matter needs to be under investigation, because it's all part of the piece. He's dead because someone made a decision to prosecute him. And keep them in a federal facility was that decision done under the rule of law or for political purposes? I don't know, but we're going to ask those questions so uh, what what a terrible scandal what uh, you know and and um, And what's interesting is, because, you know, you look at the various conspiracy theories, and and everyone says, well, you shouldn't be following conspiracy theories. Well, you know, first of all, the jails are full of people put in there on conspiracy theories. Conspiracy is a crime. So a theory about a conspiracy that led to the death of an an inmate like Jeffrey Epstein, people can fairly ask questions. The left doesn't want you to ask questions, by the way, unless they're questions they want you to ask. Any other questions, they don't want you to ask. And if you do, you're a conspiracy theorist. Well, I reject that. I tend to take a simple approach that the most likely answer is probably the answer. But on the other hand, I believe everything until we get all the facts in. For instance, you look at the Jeffrey Epstein affair, and you might think, well, it looks like he committed suicide. And then, boom, autopsy report that is delayed suggests that he was murdered. So by suggesting he's murdered, is the autopsy, uh, is the medical examiner a conspiracy theorist? Of course not. So Judicial Watch is doing, once again, uh, st- uh, stepping into the gap to investigate the Epstein death. We've got the Freedom of Information Act requests obviously out there. We're doing journalism on it as well. Real journalism, not the gossip journalism that passes for uh, much of the media reporting these days. So we're doing investigative journalisms, uh, journalism our traditional investigative uh, activities and obviously the Freedom of Information Act. I don't know what we'll find, and we may find it a year from now or two years from now or three years from now, but you can trust Judicial Watch that we're not going to go away until we get the answers we're entitled to under the law. So one of the reasons, as I say, the Justice Department isn't trusted is because of the corruption involved in the protecting and the targeting of Donald Trump. And I talked to you uh, last week about these astonishing records, these declassified materials we received from the FBI, documenting FBI interviews with Justice Department official Bruce Orr, who uh, told the FBI that the Clinton Fusion GPS spy uh, Christopher Steele was desperate to stop Trump. They show that Orr was working with his wife Nellie, who worked with Christopher Steele and the Clinton Fusion GPS gang to launder information into the Justice Department and into the FBI. In fact, he was giving them materials. And all sorts of uh, other astonishing information, such as the FBI was, had it in for President Trump and was trying to investigate him by through this improper process of u- using Bruce Orr as a cutout to talk to the Clinton camp Fusion GPS. This is after he was elected and after he was president. Incredible documents, uncovered by the media, by the way, other than our friends at Fox News and some independent media online. None of the big media have covered the extraordinary disclosures uh, in these histor- this historic release of FBI materials about uh, the Donald Trump investigation. I thought they were interested in the Donald Trump investigation. Oh, no, they're not. They're only interested in anything that makes Donald Trump look bad because they're part of the kookaball. If there are documents coming out showing FBI or DOJ corruption, the media ain't interested in it. And that's why you always have to turn to Judicial Watch to get the truth about what's going on about the greatest corruption scandal in American history, which is the taking over of uh, the government agencies, intelligence, state, defense, by the political operation of the Obama White House and the Clinton campaign to target President Trump and to protect Hillary Clinton. So we get this historic release of information last week. And then uh, we get another batch of documents this week. And it was a separate lawsuit that we had filed. My um, oh boy I dropped it. Hold on a second. showing that uh, we had asked for documents separately, asking for communications with Fusion GPS and Nellie Orr and things like that. So we had to sue separately for that, in addition to the lawsuit we had for the FBI 302 reports that were released to us last week. And we've been getting documents there showing that Nellie Orr had it in with the Justice Department. But this is the big batch. This is 300 pages, uh, well over 300 pages, 330 pages showing what exactly Bruce Orr took from Nellie and gave to the Justice Department and the FBI. And it's incredible material. They show that Nellie Orr was uh, sending material from Fusion GPS to her husband, because the FBI notes detail that the transfer took place, and she was coming up with some crazy garbage about Donald Trump. There's a report called Who Who September 19 September 2016. So this is the this is I'm going to find it here, forgive me. I do prepare for these presentations that I give to you, but you know there's a lot of material we're dealing with here. So unlike the folks you see pretend to give you news on TV, I actually I'm trying to figure out what the truth is before I go on here. And this is the document that Nellie Orr provided to her husband because of Fusion GPS and Clinton. So this is a Clinton document. And remember, in the 302s, uh, Bruce Orr said that, uh, that he gave the material, the FBI acknowledged, they got the material from Nellie Orr with the Fusion GPS material struck through. So they were trying to disguise the origin of the material. And these documents show that Nellie Orr was sending Bruce Orr all this dossier garbage. There's even reference in text messages to the P dossier or the yellow dossier, which is that fake, that outrageous defamatory smear tying President Trump to some weird activities in Russia. And here she comes up with this chart. There's about 80 names of Russians and others that she tries to try to Trump world. And it, it didn't matter, it was, as I say, an insane version of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but uh, I, I may be dating myself. Am I dating myself, guys? No, my colleagues are saying no. So the line is, take Kevin Bacon, and you can take anyone in the country, and they'll be six degrees away from Kevin Bacon. You can tie him to Kevin Bacon. Well, imagine doing that for a figure like Donald Trump. That's what was this dossier, except it's the Russified version of it. And uh, the document shows the list of individuals allegedly linked to Trump and Trump royal generally include a Russian involved in a gangland uh, killing, a Uzbek Mafia Don, a former KGB officer suspected in the murder of a, a, a Westerner, a Russian who reportedly buys up banks and pumps them dry, a Russian money launderer for Sergei Magninsky, Uh, a Turk accused of shipping oil for ISIS, a couple who lent their name to the Trump Institute promoting its quote, get rich quick schemes. And this is my favorite. She also tries to figure out who was the guy who allegedly poured Trump a drink in Moscow. That's how crazy this is. So you've got this chart given to the FBI through her husband, Bruce Orr, created with Clinton DNC campaign funds. That is just uh, 10 pages, 80 names of a crazy conspiracy theory. I tell you what, if you walked into a room and you saw all this type of material on the wall with all the strings connecting everyone to Trump, you'd say, who's the crazy person who came up with this? Yet this was the basis for the FBI spying on President Trump. Nellie Orr, whose wife, whose husband worked at the Justice Department, was hired by Fusion GPS. It's quickly now, it's it's now apparent why they hired her. It was like hiring the Justice Department. Think about this, you're at work and your spouse is sending you material at work all the time and you're telling your colleagues to use it? Why would you think that's appropriate? Certainly as a Justice Department official. The documents also show she sent around a Manafort chronology. I didn't know that Nellie Orr was involved in helping the FBI with the Manafort investigation. Did you? I wonder if Paul Manafort knows that. Also, Bruce Orr helps connect some of his colleagues doing another criminal investigation with his wife. By the way, that whole situation is the subject of a criminal investigation, or at least ought to be, because Nellie Orr said, I wasn't doing anything for the Justice Department. She may as well have had a desk at the Justice Department. Hillary Clinton may as well have had a desk at the Justice Department because Nellie Orr was doing her bidding. Creating this garbage dossier, sending it to her husband, who's voluntarily printing it out, or handling, excuse me, according to the 302 reports, handing it to the FBI. What's going on here, folks? I'll tell you what's going on here. By the way, none of this stuff is, is, is credible. It's obvious on its face it's not credible. As I told you, read the dossier, you'll see it's ridiculous. And of course, it wasn't panning out in January 2017. Comey admitted, this is the day he ambushed, it with, uh, ambushed President uh, Trump, President-elect Trump with it, after a meeting with Obama and Biden in the Oval Office, by the way. He admitted it was salacious and unverified. Mueller in his report admits the report, the dossier is unverified. It wasn't panning out, yet they were telling a FISA court repeatedly it was good stuff, and they knew it wasn't. They knew their agent, their, their Christopher Steele informant, was compromised. They knew it was politicized because they were desperate to stop Trump. Both Fusion GPS, obviously, and Peter Struck with his insurance policy. What was going on? They were desperate to stop Trump. So what were they doing? They were vacuuming up anything to backfill the file, with materials that said Trump and Russia in the same document. It didn't matter whether it was valid. It didn't matter whether it had checked out. They just wanted it in the file, so they had justification to target the president with an unprecedented spy operation, force a special counsel to try to remove him from office and put him in jail. That's what was going on. And we proved it, and this is why the media doesn't want to talk about it, because we proved it. This is the dirty laundry of the coup cabal. It's been gotten by Judicial Watch as a result of FOIA litigation. But it's not over, because we, did, so we get this one batch of documents, we, you know, I tell you, you know, we get the material, it's 300 pages, we gotta look at it carefully. And then we, get another, but then we get more material Nellie Orr is sending. She's not even, she isn't even just limiting her contacts to her husband. She's talking to his staff. Bruce Orr was running essentially the international crime section of the Justice Department. And Nellie Orr is sending email after email after email anti-Trump material as well, to his staffer, who is a Russia expert as well. And the emails, she does, it's, it's Russia, um, Russia language news reports. I haven't translated them. Why is that, on what earth is that appropriate? So we think Christopher we know Christopher Steele was an informant for the FBI, right? Who worked for Hillary Clinton? Nellie Orr was an informant for the Justice Department through her husband. It was a partnership. So I don't know. Uh, the Justice Department's looking into this outrage. Presumably they are. People often say, well, does the Justice Department know about this? These are Justice Department documents. They've been hiding them from us. The FBI 302 reports have been hidden from us. This is an unprecedented attack on the president. This is, and when you see these documents, Bruce Orr conspiring with the FBI to launder this garbage from his, uh, his political agent wife and the foreign spy Chris Steele. It was an international coup effort. It was sedition. And the fact that a grand jury hasn't hauled all these people in in a public way to question them under oath is a miscarriage of justice. And do you think the IG is going to make the conclusions I'm drawing for you here? No way, Jose. It's not going to happen. But you can trust Judicial Watch to keep on getting the goods here. Where's Congress on this? Nowhere to be found. Absolutely nowhere to be found. I mean, I'm happy to do the work. My colleagues are happy and honored to be able to do this work at Judicial Watch, but isn't it outrageous? Isn't it outrageous that Judicial Watch has to do all the heavy lifting? And we have to fight tooth and nail the Justice Department to get the information out? about, as I said, the worst corruption scandal of all time. And we wouldn't, virtually every important thing we know about it is because of Judicial Watch's pressure. And speaking of Clinton, before I forget, I, 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 I should have talked about this in the beginning, we've got a big court hearing next week. Because you may recall a federal court judge granted Judicial Watch discovery in a Benghazi FOIA case because the judge suspected that maybe Benghazi was one of the reasons they weren't telling us about the Clinton emails. He wanted the questions answered in that regard. He wanted to know whether Hillary Clinton was knowingly violating FOIA, using the system to violate FOIA. He wants to know where the other emails are. He wants to know whether the Justice Department and State Department were trying to game the court. So we went through several depositions. Hillary Clinton's lawyer admits she got Immunity after deleting thirty-three thousand emails, she gets immunity. Another State Department official admits she he uh, uh, he was concerned about the Justice State Department lying about the FOIA responses about Hillary's emails, lying about it. We found documents showing the Clinton uh, the Obama White House was behind the cover-up and lies about Clinton's emails. We have emails showing and documents and testimony showing that Hillary Clinton was warned twice about her email usage. She did it anyway. All this information is coming out and, and as a result of this discovery, which this Justice Department fought us tooth and nail over, they didn't want us to ask any questions, get any answers. And a judge wants to hold another hearing when we want more answers. And at this hearing, I think one of the things we'll be discussing next week is whether or not, because we want to depose Mrs. Clinton under oath. There's more than enough reason to bring her in and ask her questions directly under oath about this email scandal. So we'll see what the court does, and we have other requests. I think we're asking for nine total depositions. Some other documents, we want to know, for instance, when did the Justice Department know about the Clinton email scandal? Simple question. So Judge Lamberth will be holding a hearing next week, um, and I'll give you a report as soon as I'm able about that. But that's coming up. So the Hillary Clinton email scandal is not over, folks. And as I say, it is ins- it, you can't untie the Clinton email scandal from the Russiagate scandal they needed to protect Hillary, how do you do that? By making up crimes against President Trump. And if it meant working with Hillary to make it happen, so be it, because it was all about putting her in office. These are the crimes of the century politically. So what else is going on? Break news actually out of Maryland. We had, this is outrageous in, in a, actually a few ways though, but was a good result in the end. We had a court case in Maryland because as you may know, we have this election integrity project going on. And it's been going on for several years now where we're trying to get the law requiring states to take reasonable steps to clean up their roles enforced. And we, fo- and we filed the first private lawsuits ever in history to get that rule enforced, force both in Indiana and Ohio. And the Supreme Court upheld our settlement in Ohio to require them to take steps to clean up the rolls. They upheld that settlement last year. And that led to the settlement that I've talked about before with LA County in California that has begun a process in California to remove up to 1.59 million inactive voters. And in Kentucky, we have a consent judgment they've begun a process to move up to 250,000 inactive voters. We expect them to probably pursue another 250,000 after that. But there are many, many states, too many states, where they have counties that they have more people on the rolls than are eligible to vote. If you have a county with more people on the rolls than are eligible to vote, that's a pretty good indication. You're not taking the necessary steps to clean up your rolls. And in Maryland, Montgomery County, which is the state's largest county, sanctuary uh, county as well, by the way. So if you look at the map, you've got the District of Columbia here, and then Montgomery County is right above it. So it's, you know, a lot of people who live and work in the district, uh, who work in the district live in Montgomery County. I think it's, I forget the population, but well over a million people, so it's a big county. They have a 105% registration rate. What does that mean? It means everyone who lives there is registered who's eligible to vote, which obviously ain't right, because that number is uh, never achieved by any normal county that keeps up with its roles plus 5%, so they got more people on the rolls that are living there and eligible to vote. So we filed records requests under this law I told you about asking for more voter, da- voter data about it. Well, you wouldn't believe the response we got from Maryland. They went on some anti-Trump tirade against us, told us we couldn't ask the questions, that only Maryland voters could get the records. It didn't matter what federal law said about requiring you present these records. And believe it or not, they demanded from Judicial Watch and Discovery information about whether we were Russian agents. We told them to go jump in a lake without outrageous smear, defamatory smear. But that shows you how radical and outrageous some of these, and these were left wing politicians in Maryland, by the way, are in defending their lawlessness. This was a basic request. We settled a lawsuit with L.A. County and the state of California, no friends of conservatives, because they understood, to their credit, what the law requires. It ought not to be a partisan or ideological issue. But they made it into one in Maryland. And thank God a federal court judge saw through this. And ordered the state of Maryland to produce voter list data for Montgomery County to Judicial Watch. So we can try to figure out what's going on with the dirty lists there. I'll quote from the ruling. If Judicial Watch had submitted requests for voter registration data corresponding to the thousands of Montgomery County voters, the state would have been required to produce each record pursuant to Section 8i, which is the section of the law, federal law, that requires them to turn over information to us. Instead, Judicial Watch merely submitted a single request for a voter list containing and compiling the same information, compiling the same information, about the thousands of voters in Montgomery County. Although both scenarios seek the same information, defendants, the state of Maryland, believes that the NVRA, the National Voter Registration Act, would require compliance with only one of them. Rejecting Judicial Watch's request based on semantics would be tantamount tantamount to requiring Judicial Watch to make thousands of separate requests. Neither the NVRA, the court, nor common sense can abide such a purposeless obstruction, you heard it, that's how they described the politicians we were fighting, that's how the court described them, engaging in purposeless obstruction. Organizations such as Judicial Watch have the resources and expertise that few individuals can marshal, thanks to your support. By excluding these organizations from access to voter registration lists, The state law undermines Section 8's efficacy. Accordingly, the Maryland election law is an obstacle to the accomplishment of the NVRA's purposes, which is to make sure that there are reasonable steps being taken by the states to clean up the rolls. It follows that the state is preempted so far as it allows only Maryland, Maryland registered voters to access voter registration lists. So this is a great victory, but isn't it outrageous that we had to go through that fight? You could see what the court was saying there. You had taxpayer money being wasted on purposeless obstruction on this basic request for information that Judicial Watch was making in the public interest to make sure that the voter lists in Montgomery County, Maryland, and the state of Maryland were being cleaned according to federal law. So I'm hopeful now that we've gotten this Positive court ruling that we can now begin to proceed with our efforts to require the state to clean up the rolls. And who knows, maybe they'll settle with us, like we did in Los Angeles County and Maryland and and in California. Maybe their anti Trump fever has passed. But I tell you, isn't this great? I love Judicial Watch. Obviously, I'm the President of Judicial Watch, but we get these documents out about Bruce Orr. We're able to come in and talk and 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 uh, push for the American people in, uh, on the Epstein case where we could come in and ask questions on behalf of the American people about what really happened. And we can take steps to clean up rotor rolls in states across the nation, steps that the Justice Department should do but isn't doing. And taking on government officials who don't want to follow the law and make your elections dirtier and less fair only judicial watch is doing all that and i'm I'm, and that's why i love judicial watch because we're able to do all of that and we do it with your support and i'll say it once and i'll say it again if you're not supporting judicial watch you should and i hope this report has given you good reason to not only begin supporting judicial watch but those of us those of you who are already supporting us good reason to continue your support. So I'll see you next time. I think I'll be taking some vacation next week. So I'll see you shortly with Judicial Watch's next weekly update. In the meantime, go to our website at judicialwatch.org and on Facebook, obviously, and YouTube, everywhere else uh, to follow our work in the meantime. I'll see you next time and have a great week. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.